I'm going to talk about the word praise, and we'll go into Psalm 150. And it says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So the, the word praise is what we want to talk about tonight. So let's pray. Father, again, it's a privilege to be able to talk about worshiping you. And it's always nice to be able to open up the scriptures and see what you have to say. We pray that you speak to all of our hearts this evening in Jesus name and everyone say amen. Amen. Of course, this is one of the popular psalms. The book of Psalms itself was for the children of Israel, their music literature. And they sang a variety of different kinds of songs to the Lord. They had some that were songs of lament when they had times of sadness. They had some songs that they sang when they went up the hill to the temple, which were songs that had a lot more joy in connection with it. Oftentimes they used music to retell the story of their history and sometimes they sang the kind of songs where they asked God to slay their enemies. But their music, it always reflected the general beliefs that that generation had regarding the Lord, their enemies, and themselves. Now music is a powerful thing. If you don't believe me, just think of David, who wrote the bulk of the Psalms. Scripture says that he was a psalmist. He was a musician and he knew how to compose music. But he went to work for Saul when he was a young man. So anointed was he that when he would play the harp or music in the presence of Saul, and as the scripture says, Saul was oppressed by a spirit that troubled him. It said that when David would play the music, that spirit would depart from him. And so he would be refreshed. He would be better. So that teaches us immediately that music can affect a person's attitude. Music can deliver people from depression. Music can rescue people from a lot of different kinds of excessive sorrow. If you want to change your emotional state, change the spiritual atmosphere that you're in. If you listen to music that glorifies God and makes him bigger, then I can promise you, you'll find that you'll feel a whole lot better than if you just sit around all day long singing the blues. So music is a powerful thing. We run into phrases like this, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Now, you know that that means to make something larger, to make God bigger. But even if you take some kind of an object and put it in a slide and put it in a microscope, that microscope will enlarge whatever it is that you're studying. 
But you know that the object being steady, its original size doesn't change. And so when we're talking about magnifying God in our speech, in our song, and in our thinking, we want you to know there's nothing you can ever say, sing, or do that's going to change the actual size of God, but you can magnify him in your life to make him larger than your problems. That's the key that's essential to understanding praise. In verse 1 of Psalm 50, 150, it says, praise ye, ye being the old English word for all of you. So no one is excluded. Everyone should praise God. Everyone who's a Christian should have a desire to praise God. And it says here, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise being the verb tells us what our act or action should be God being the direct object. We're to praise him. It tells us where to do it in the sanctuary. So in the house of God, God is to be praised. So we, we, we don't look too favorably upon turning the sanctuary into the place where we do Super Bowl Sunday on the big screen. And we don't look too favorably on renting out the sanctuary so that it could become the place where everybody has their high school prom. It says, praise God in the sanctuary. In the Old Testament, of course, the sanctuary was a, a specific building. And you know as well as I do in the New Testament, the scripture says we've become the house of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So praising God in the sanctuary for us, praising God in your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, praising him from the inside out, offering unto him sacrifices of praise, but no one can praise God for you. You have to do it. And even if you were incapable of speaking, God could still hear your voice inwardly in your heart if you wanted to praise God. So it's not about how loud you are or how soft-spoken you are. But it is about you recognizing who God is and praising him in his sanctuary because it belongs to him and your body belongs to him. Corinthians says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You belong to God. He purchased you. He bought you with the blood of his son. So your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And when people build buildings and dedicate it to God, it should be used specifically to glorify God. And I've seen large churches that in order to make, away, make a little bit extra money, they'll rent the building out to Amway just so they can come in there and have a big meeting and raise a whole lot of money. But the bottom line is, if we have built it for the king, let's use it for him. You know, use it for him. Now, there are... Uh, all kinds of gatherings that people could have that don't have anything to do with the flesh or anything destructive in nature when it comes to the kingdom. But we're not talking about those. We're talking about bringing in a bunch of sinful people that don't know God and letting everybody run around the church cussing and screaming and every other kind of a thing that, that doesn't glorify the king. So he says in verse 1, praise him in the firmament of his power. So whenever we think of firmament, we Think of Genesis 1 where God created the different canvases or canopies in the sky. God sits upon the circles of the earth. And when it talks about in the firmament of his power, it's talking about that area where he has nothing but might, authority, and power. Where can you go to escape the power of God? No place. 
His power works everywhere. So we can praise him here on planet Earth. I imagine if somebody wanted to get in an airplane, they can praise him up in the sky, as I've done several times, especially when we hit one of those air pockets. And it seems like the plane is going, going down. But verse 2, praise him for his mighty acts. Now, you can't do that unless you know what he has done. See, the, the popular question, going back, I think, to the pastor that used to be, I believe, in Topeka or Wichita, I think Topeka, he, he wrote that book that the question, what would Jesus do, comes from. It was somebody poor that had died and his congregation overlooked that individual. And so he challenged his congregation to spend a year just thinking about what would Jesus do in these specific instances. And then later on, he compiled all of these stories and wrote a very popular book. And um, people to this day still still read that. But I've always contended that when you ask the question, what would Jesus do? That, that's predicated upon the fact you must know what Jesus did. Because if you don't know what he did in the Gospels, you have no idea what he would do. So when we praise God for his mighty acts, we praise him because of what he's done, as we see recorded in the scripture. We praise him because of what he's done for each of us. He's saved. He's delivered. He's done wonderful things for you. And he's done these for me also. It said praise him for his excellent greatness. Praise him for who he is. See, before it said, praise him for what he's done in verse two, the first sentence. But now in the second clause, it said, praise him for who he is, his excellent nature and greatness. We don't always have to ask God for something with our hands out. Sometimes it's just good to come to him with an attitude of gratitude and say, thank you. And praise is something that God enjoys because unlike us, he does not get lifted up in pride. If someone praises us too much, that's bad for us. But you can never praise God too much. You can praise him too little, but you cannot praise him, praise him too much. So now the author then begins to talk about the different instruments. Now, this would anger uh, many of the uh, primitive Baptists and the non-instrumental Church of Christ, because for, for those who still believe that instruments should not be used in worship in a church, they'll have a hard time here, which is praising with the sound of a trumpet. Now, music is a wonderful thing when it's accompanied by instruments. Oh, my. If, you, if you've ever heard somebody play music well on an instrument, that's a good thing. And if you've ever heard people play music on an instrument badly, that's not as helpful. I, I, I preached in those churches where the, uh, they had a guitar picker that couldn't pick. And, you know, just kind of strummed it. You know, just ev every note just went along with whatever key anybody was singing in. Those kind of churches where you didn't ever ha really have a choir. Once you started the service, you just said, anybody wants to come on up and sing, come on up. And I mean, everybody comes up there and then somebody start plunking on the piano. And then, you know, you, you praise the Lord for the verse that says, make a joyful noise, all ye people. But but with an instrument, it's helpful if people know how to play 
the instruments. And here we have a trumpet, and then we're talking about a harp. So we got this, this, uh, these, these, how we want to call them, stringed instruments. And then we've got a horn that we're going to blow. Now, now think about the fact there are different kinds of music. Music did not begin with the children of Israel. The Hittites, the Canaanites, and others had different forms of worship. The Egyptians had their own kind of instruments. And people liked different kinds of music, different forms of Christian music. I have some friends, if, if it's not sung in the way of the Gaithers or by the Gaithers, they think it's of the devil. And then I've got other friends that if it's not contemporary and has a certain beat to it, they don't want to have anything to do with it. But, you know, I've, I've been out here 21 years singing songs I didn't like. I just I, I, I was raised differently. Honestly, I was raised differently with different kinds of. Music with a different tempo and the, the church I was raised in, Williams Temple, Church of God in Christ. The music was high impact. It would have been somewhat like one of your uh, old Tybo videos if you were doing exercise or something. These guys, once the, once, the, once the pastor jumped up and said, praise and testimony service is now open then that's when everybody would stand up and say, I want to thank the Lord for how good he's been to me. I'm saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost and running on with the Lord. Everybody prayed my strength in the Lord. And then they launch into a song. And the song, when you came to the 50th birthday, you remember that song the choir was doing? That's the kind of music it was. Everything was fast. Everything was moving. And and you had to be sweating. You had to be if if it was praise and worship, you had to be sweating and nobody would just stand around and just look like this because they look foolish. Everybody else all around them jumping and clapping and having a good time. And it's one of it's the kind of music you just get involved with and praise the Lord. I thought everybody did praise and worship like that. I did. I thought that's what it was. And then they. I joined the military and they sent me to Japan and I had my first international service. Now, you've got to understand in Cleveland, Ohio, being raised where I was raised, I had never heard of Assemblies of God. I had never heard of the Lutheran Church. I had only known of one Presbyterian church. Every church in our area was either Baptist or Pentecostal. That's all I ever saw. So when I went to Japan, and they and I was asking about where to go to church and some friends of mine told me about this particular church. I said, OK, we'll go. So we got there and the, the pastor was Asian background. And I looked up on the platform. There's guitars, bass, there's drums, a piano, there's keyboard. And I'm surrounded by all these people of different colors. And this was all new to me because I'd never been in an international setting. I'd only been around a whole lot of blacks. And so when they said, we're going to get ready for praise and worship, I mean, I was pumped and ready to go. And I said, let's get it going. The guy's going to get on the drums and we're going to be moving. And so my heart was racing as we were getting ready. And then they started off majesty. (laughs) And my heart sank. I said, what is wrong with these people? All of this slow stuff. What are they talking about? And then I started paying attention 
to the words. And so God started broadening and expanding the kind of worship music and praise music that I could enjoy because I had to realize that it's not all about me and my enjoyments. It's, it's what delights God that's important. So I got into that and enjoyed that. And then I thought, okay, so that, that, that's everything. So that was during that period when Hosanna music was popular, integrity music was popular. And then I come back to the States and I'm preaching in churches where people are doing a lot of this vineyard music that was getting popular in the early 90s. And vineyard music had a lot of what they called prophetic praise. That was you just go into the church and nobody has practiced and we'll just see what God does. And so we go in there and then you had a lot of people doing that. They just start and and then that was the first time I started seeing people waving banners in the church and people bringing up canvases and trying to paint during praise and worship. Oh, my goodness, what, what, what is all of this? And, and, and folks were enjoying all of that stuff. And I was standing there just thinking, okay, now I have learned another way that I do not want to praise God. See, So they, they sent me to, to the Middle East. And the Middle East, the Arabs, they have their own kind of praise and worship, and they have instruments that we don't use here. They have instruments I've never seen before with different names. And the, the music had a different kind of a beat to it, but I'd watch all of these older people as they would just kind of lock arms and worship the Lord and praise the Lord. And, and where I was in Jordan, amongst the Iraqis and the Jordanian, everybody would lock arms and then they would do their shoulders like this. So that was just the kind of way they danced and praised God going back and forth, which worked out well for me because it, did, it didn't require me to do too much. I said, oh, this is this is pretty good. Well, I left there and then I went to Israel and Israel, their music, Israeli music has its own kind of tone and tenor and style to it. And some years ago, there was a, a album that came out that they made in Israel of songs that were popularly, popularly sung throughout the entire region. And one of the verses was, behold, how good and pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell together, which in Hebrew says Hinematov. And so the, the, the Jewish people, they would lock arms and, and they would do what we call the two step. They'd sing them a song, Hinematov, Hinematov, la la la, la 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 la, and do all of the kicks and stuff. So again, I thought, this is nice. It's slow. And I can keep time with it, you see. But, but the thing I kept learning over and over again was every culture play, praises God differently. And you can't expect every culture to do it like we do here. When I've gone overseas and seen people trying to imitate American-style worship, trying to sing songs the way they sing them down in Alabama or somewhere in Oregon, then I realize somebody's trying to take one culture and impose it upon another. Whenever we go to Africa, the praise and worship is usually two, two and a half hours. Everybody in there, from the kids to the older people, are doing a Jericho march around the sanctuary, 
The music is so loud and everybody's having a wonderful time. And Tiffany knows it's hard for me to even really get her going. But they put me up there on the platform with the pastor so that everybody in there can see me. So I can't hide. So I've got to act like I'm involved with this and get involved. And like I've told you before, when I get overseas and they're singing songs, I don't know what they're singing. I just throw everything into it. I just get into it and go to shaking and just praising God because I know that in the end. It's him that I'm worshiping. If I go to a church and they play a song and I don't always agree with a sentence or a verse that's in the song. I don't stand there irritated and then pull myself out of worship so that I can't enter in. I meditate on the 30 other sentences that are scriptural. And then I allow myself to continue to worship God. Because there's some people, they just get so angry over something they heard that they think is, is wrong. And they just won't even enter in. They'll just become stubborn, self-righteous and just stand there. You're only hurting yourself when you do that. When the Bible says praise the Lord, it's talking about something we're supposed to do. And here it tells us where to do it with the instruments. So people who are gifted with the ability to play instruments, we're grateful for that. And we thank God for that. And we should be happy that there are those who can lead us into the presence of God and have a gift to take us into the presence of God. He says here, praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Think about that. David danced in the presence of the Lord when they brought the ark into Israel. His wife was displeased with him, said that he embarrassed himself out there. She said he was dancing in front of all the ladies. He was dancing for God. But her mind was in a bad place. So she was offended by his activity. But imagine if you were to actually dance in the presence of God. Imagine what would happen if you put on some music and right there in your own home, you went to glorifying God and praising him in dance. Can you imagine what would happen out here in some of these churches if you took off and start praising the Lord and dance in some of these places? They would be calling the police. Would you please come by? We have a disruptor in the service today. Yeah, but it is exactly what we need sometime in 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 a in a worship service, because God doesn't want us to just be physical for those things that are carnal. We people will go to the basketball game, wrestling match, volleyball game, football game. And here's a young man. Goes, makes a touchdown. And people are up giving each other high fives and they're screaming and yelling and shouting. And then we go to talking about the greatest person that's ever lived on planet Earth, Jesus Christ. And then we want to muzzle ourselves and act like he's not worth shouting about. And, and, and he's worth celebrating. Uh, the, the little kid that's dragging that pig's bladder down the field. I mean, he, we, we're glad for him and we're quite happy that, that he's able to get a trophy out of all of that and maybe go to state. But Jesus Christ, the King of kings and lords of lords, him we really ought to celebrate. I'm happy when any young lady is able to spike that ball and help win another volleyball championship. But I do know that the people in the crowds very often go to church. And when we come to the house of God, we should be no less enthusiastic about God as we are about our child or our grandchild or friend.
That's what scripture is trying to explain to us here with, with these kind of activities. Praise him with the loud symbols. Praise him with the high sounding symbols. Again, if someone is gifted to play these, we want to hear them. But all of you parents can remember when your relatives or friends bought your son the drum set. And you were not always as excited as your child was because the person who bought the drum set was quite pleased to give the gift away. But you weren't thinking about the gift as it was going to be uh, played in a good way. You were thinking about all the noise that's going to come out of that. And you put you put a tambourine or finger cymbals in the hands of somebody who's not too good with them. And it's not always the best sound. I've I've had people in the past in years past who come to Red Cloud Church and brought a tambourine. And they were not gifted with the tambourine. And so when the tambourine was left at the church, the tambourine disappeared. (laughs) And when questions were asked, I just kind of look off in the distance. Same thing with finger symbols. If you've ever seen somebody with those people who can really do them, I mean, they can keep time and they can work it out. But for the ones who don't do so well with them, it's like the person who has the drum set when they've got those brass cymbals and they clap like that, you know, using the foot pedal. And if it's all out of time, it can be quite a problem. So the scripture says, praise them upon the loud cymbals, Praise him upon the high sounding symbols, loud ones he's talking about, loud ones. You ever see the, the kids when they're marching through town? They, they used to have in Red Cloud, the marching band had one day a year where the school let them march through town at 745 in the morning. And they would do the entire town. And they always played the same song every year. But there was always one person who's marching and it's their job to just clang the cymbals on time as everybody's marching. And every three or four years, there would be somebody who couldn't clang them the right way. And you'd see the parents standing out on the front porch, just hoping they would get past as soon as they could. So the praising in the church should be something that glorifies God and excites people. He concludes by saying, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. As long as you are a breathing, functioning human in your right mind, you should praise God. As long as you have the ability to glorify him, you should praise him. If you don't know what kind of good Christian music to listen to, Turn on some of the uh, Christian channels. You'll find all kind of music that you eventually will enjoy. I, I enjoy contemporary. I enjoy Southern gospel. I enjoy choirs. I enjoy some of the old time choruses from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I can sing 
a lot of that stuff. I've never gotten into Christian rock and roll or rap and all of that. That doesn't do anything for me at all. But there are different kinds of music, but ultimately it ought to praise him. If it's not glorifying him, then how in the world can it bring the blessing upon your life that you want it to bring? But if it's something that changes your attitude, it changes your emotions, it makes you feel better as you're listening to it, then that, that's a wonderful thing. If you're going to play music and songs entitled Born to Lose and stuff like that, then <laughs> I can promise you, you're not going to enjoy praise and worship. And then the final thing I'd say is, in order to do Psalm 150, you ought to do it happily. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice in it and be glad in it. That means when we rejoice, we rejoice in a happy way. There's nothing as saddening and disheartening as, as it is when you go into the presence of people who all say that they love God. And then when they begin to sing, they sing like they don't even know who God is. Yeah, it's like being in a mortuary and all of these folks say that they're born again and have a relationship with God and how anybody can sing a song that's talking about how wonderful God is and not be exuberant about it. I don't know. I mean, it's amazing to this day that I even have hearing as loud as I turn music up when I'm listening to it when worshiping God. Tiff and I, that song they, you guys were doing for the for the 50th celebration. Tiff, no, we, we have long nights where we've got to drive, get that song on for me. And I mean, going down the road, that's all I'm listening to. One night praising God so much, we drove right off the wrong exit and then had to come back up on the next one because we were so busy praising God, having a wonderful time. <laughs> Anything that gets me excited about the king, I want to be involved with it. And I think if uh, you find that kind of music and worship for yourself, you'll find you'll be a happy camper in your worship with God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we're so grateful that this evening we could look into this wonderful psalm. You have given us more reasons to praise you. You've done so much for us, we cannot tell it all. So we thank you for instruments. We thank you for loud sounding praise. We thank you for what you have done. More importantly, we thank you for who you are. You are wonderful and lovely. And we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen.